Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the original podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and this is The Other Thing I Do. My guest this week is Antoine Bourges, a filmmaker who broke out with East Hastings Pharmacy, a study of transactional relationships at a Vancouver methadone dispensary, which was named Best Canadian Documentary at the Doxa Festival in 2013. His first feature is Fail to Appear, a closely observed drama about a young social worker trying to help a troubled man through the court system in Toronto. It's streaming on Mubi right now, but it's going offline tomorrow, Wednesday, June 6th. However, if you're in Toronto, it's opening theatrically at the Tiff Bell Lightbox, Thursday, June 7th. And it's very much worth your time. Antoine picked La Captive, Chantal Ackerman's austere take on Marcel Proust's La Prisonnière. I apologize in advance for my constant mutilation of French things. Starring Stanislas Merhar and Sylvie Testud, it's a psychological study of a young man obsessed with control, the young woman upon whom he most desires to exert it, and the unspoken bargain between them. Less beholden to Proust than to Ackerman's own filmography, it's a spare, considered almost minimalistic reinterpretation of the text, and one that lines up very well with Antoine's own filmmaking aesthetic. Oh, and Dexter was in the studio with us, and you're probably going to hear him snoring here and there. I'm sorry. Antoine liked having him around, and this is someone else's movie. Oh... I mean, I just love the film, and I think um, it's it had um, sort of the kind of effect um, that I like the most um, um, that films can have, where it's like I watched it the first time and and I like it, but I'm not quite sure why, and I don't certainly don't rewatch it or even consider rewatching it. And then um, time goes by and I just realize that I just remember this film that I saw, it just stays with me and then, then I watch it again. This is sort of like the best, um, yeah, the best way for me to really enter a film, strangely, is just to not completely connect with it the first time. That's interesting, um, but it pulls on you. But it definitely pulls on me. Yeah. And um, because I, I've, I've grown to really uh, love, you know, uh, Chantal Ackerman's work. Uh, but when I saw like Captive, it was the first film I, I'd seen of her, okay. and I didn't really know about her. I just kind of watched that film, and uh, I re- when I rewatched it, I had seen her sort of like more monumental, her, like the classic sort of seventies film that she had made, and so obviously I watched it differently. Yeah, I I have to admit I came to Ackerman late. I wasn't. I don't think I saw her stuff until my mid twenties, mm-hmm. and I I saw. That's not so late for me. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm late in film, I feel, so it's okay. No. But how, I mean, how old are you? You're well, when I watched like Captivo, yeah. I was 21, I think. But then when I watched the other films, yeah, it must have been like 23 or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah, my first experience was Jean Diamond. Jean Diamond, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing it on some oh. level. <laughs> and uh, then I think... I think you too, and then this. And... Mm-hmm. and this was theatrical. This was when it was released. Oh, right, okay. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, so I was already in my mid, my early 30s. Right. And I watched it again just the other day mm-hmm. in preparation for this because I hadn't seen it since. Mm-hmm. And it's amazingly of the moment now. Like, it's really... It's a film about male entitlement and, and right. objectification and we're not supposed to really empathize with anyone, I mm-hmm. don't think. Maybe her, but maybe not. Yeah, well, it's it's... Yeah, it's strange because I think definitely seeing it like I rewatched it the other day too, just to to remember it. But 
I it's strange because for me I instantly forget the moment like the even though it's it's easy when you watch the film and you see his behavior and it's obviously like something that today is um, you know it's odd to say the least but uh, somehow as you watch the film you f you forget that and you s sort of connect with him and her and the the fact that they kind of both we can talk about it more, but like course, yeah. both sort of get off on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's absolutely a mutually uh, frustrating and exploitative relationship. Mm -hmm. there, the title notwithstanding, there's really no question that they're both in it willingly. Yeah, yeah. Which is just so... <laughs> I mean, the, the great thing about cinema, period, the great thing about film is that you can eavesdrop on people right. in a way that artificial or, or you know, documentary in a way that's revelatory and, and illuminate, illuminates something about our own experience. Mm -hmm. But Ackerman's approach to this is just to, to frame them like specimens. Mm. You know, so much of it is spent waiting for them to move on each other or, or speak to each other. There are mm -hmm. long stretches of just not so much contemplation as observation. They're right. like subjects. Yeah. It's an odd... I feel like it's an odd uh, combination of, of observation and, uh, but also complete um, awareness mm. on on every side. Like the actors seem completely, overly conscious and aware of their acting, and you're kind of reminded that they're acting all the time. Like it is yeah, quite yeah. stylized. Uh, so it's odd to feel like you're also observing something that seems so controlled but you do which is also yeah. what's kind of fascinating well we're just drawn I mean it can't help but be drawn into the narrative because yeah. so much of it plays out in, in relative silence that we're looking closer yeah and when there's when there's nothing to hear we start to fill in you have the instinct to complete the film for yourself mm -hmm. while you're watching it before it reveals everything before we really know what's going on mm -hmm. and I mean, certainly in Jean Dielman, silence and, and inactivity or stasis is so much of a part of her storytelling. Right. That when I saw this, I thought, oh, obviously that's, it's an extension of it, mm -hmm. except that it really isn't because there's so much more happening here behind people's eyes and in motion and where they go and what they do is more important than the relationship between them because that seems ultimately fixed and, and unchanging. Right. In mutual dependence. Yeah. No, yeah, I, but I think with the, I think the one common element for me with Jeanne Dillman in this film and and a lot of her films, I think, is the the importance of routine and um, just having the system that helps you cope yes. with, with life. And and this this time, it's not the system of a house of a of a of a stay at home mom. It's the system of this this couple and just all the roles that they've established. Uh, and once that when that breaks down then you know that this it's it's tragic yeah oh right into paranoia <laughs> yeah, yeah just raging paranoia yeah. and again that's where i started thinking this i mean it's based on a, a book that predates cinema right. if, I, if i'm getting the year right and now we have something that's utterly relevant to the present situation um, yeah which is just sad and also somehow true like there, there's a there's a a deeper honesty in the ugliness of the behavior here mm -hmm. somehow yeah I mean I, I it's because she's so because she's so sort of um, willing to engage in this in this system I, I, I don't completely 
read it like this even today, but it's uh, maybe I should rethink it. <laughs> but definitely, I mean, I, I feel... And, and the scenes that, that are the most sort of um, um, subversive and that would be very subversive if they were made today were actually in the book too, and they're described exactly like that. So it is interesting that it was made uh, so long ago. But yeah, I mean, this, the, the whole book is very, um, is very ahead of its time in a way, the way it talks about yeah, homosexuality and, and just dealing with with others and 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 people that are different from uh you know uh, hiding the fact that you're uh, that you're different from others basically and and um and trying to understand others when you really um when sometimes it's impossible the way that he tries to understand her yeah. and, and it's just kind of it it it, it yeah it's 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 impossible she's she's an unknown um she's from a different gender and and she yeah he he just cannot get there yeah and he instead of well instead of asking her mm-hmm. right he he immediately fetishizes her one of the earliest scenes in the film then mm-hmm. the first conversation that we really see is is the bathtub shower thing where mm-hmm. they are separated you know perpetually yeah uh, vis- and it's a great visual image yeah uh, and in the book it was different bedchambers or something wasn't it mm-hmm. they, they don't even converse yeah, yeah, the they don't have, yeah but that image is so striking and you know b- because of the nudity is also transgressive and, and, mm-hmm. and instantly I mean that's why it's on the cover of the British DVD it's, right, it's yeah, clearly yeah. when I had already seen the film when the disc arrived in the world, but mm-hmm. it's like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. That's how you sell this movie. Yeah, yeah of course. Uh, it's such an odd space. <laughs> yeah, as cynically and, and alluringly as possible. Mm-hmm. But it is what the film is about. Um, two people who can't, two people who are absolutely intimate with one another but can't connect. Yeah, and 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 I think the 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 pleasure in in that, at least for for him, uh, or it's it's clearer. Uh, to see it from his point because he gets most of the screen time and it's it's a little bit more about him but uh the the pleasure i think that he gets from this this distance that he creates himself like sure yeah he's uh like you said she sleeps in a separate room she is in this she sleeps in this sort of day bed it's not quite a bed uh and um every night she's like do you want me to come in do you come into your room he says oh i'm not sure and then he goes to his room and he calls her like okay okay now you can and it's this weird he likes this this distance i think that's what he uh i feel like he can't really he doesn't quite know what to do with her uh if she was just fully there and the, his only source of pleasure and to um really even have a, a a sensitive appreciation of of her and her femininity is to um uh see her through this glass or or through this distance or 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 be you know uh, sort of press against her when she's asleep and and yeah, yeah and yeah. recount it to her later yeah yeah recount it to her like, yeah. I did all these things to you yeah uh, and she says well that's fine it's, yeah she is she is she's not torturing him it's I was trying to figure it out this time through just mm-hmm. the, there's complicity and then there's consent and then there's all these other levels in between um, but he does seem happiest when he is pushing her away like when he's mm-hmm. resisting her yeah and I realize like we've been talking about them for however many minutes and haven't even mentioned their names yet because right. it doesn't even matter they're just elemental yeah, him, yeah. him and her mm-hmm. and there are other characters in the film but they don't really no factor in yeah. even when someone is stealing her away it's not essential to their relationship and yeah. his 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 greatest desire is to know where she is at all times even though that's not 
healthy for anyone. <laughs> yeah. But it works for them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that he 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 wouldn't like it any other way. I think that he needs her to be sort of impenetrable, and and he needs her to sort of try to escape him in some way. Uh, to to want her, he would not want her if she was completely available and completely transparent. But I think she also gets off on, on being in a relationship with a with a person who is like that. She 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 wants him to be like this. When he tells her, like you said, I, I um, when you were asleep, I, I just parted your legs and I looked at you and I smelled smelt you and all this stuff. And yeah. she's just like, yeah, that's that's fine. Like you're silly. Of course it's fine. And she, <laughs> it's, um, and yeah, this. I mean, right up until you know the the, the breakup or his his attempt at breaking up, right. or, or who knows what he's really trying to do. Uh, it really seems like she also she would not like it any other way until the very end. I think where it's actually too much for her. I mm -hmm. think that's that's sort of the breaking point. Um, but yeah, him, um, Simon, her, Ariane. <laughs> um, but they are just the yeah the he and she of the story there's there is there is a larger world but we barely see it i mean there's it's it's a depopulated film there's almost no yeah. one else there yeah and even I, in even in the city even no absolutely and i think that's what really uh, uh, kind of impressed me and really stayed with me the very first time i saw it because i i was actually back i lived in paris again around that time and i watched it there and i was seeing paris in a way that looked like clearly like Paris, like the the city was, uh, like there were actually some like signs of, of like Place de la Concorde, Place Vendôme, like you recognize it. But at the same time, it, it's it's completely abstracted. It's an abstract Paris. She chose um, uh, locations where the the color of the stone was kind of the same, and so it has this sort of white kind of pristine quality. And you're right, you know, she she kind of evacuates. There's no extra. There's no background. There's yeah. no. Um, and yeah, and the abstraction is almost in every element of the film, in the in the, the in the acting, in the in in the way that the sequences follow each other. There's kind of a dreamlike quality to it. Yeah. Um, and it yeah. and the relationship takes on a sort of dream logic after a while too, because yeah. even though they're not responding to one another the way we assume human beings will, mm -hmm. they understand it themselves. It's like the logic of something that has been. There are rules they're following that we may not understand, but they're they get them and they're following them perfectly. Right. Yeah. And 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 I think that's what's so. <laughs> yeah. I, I apologize. The dog is snoring. Neither of us is snoring. No. Dexter has fallen asleep. That's very soothing, actually. He's never been much for French cinema. <laughs> um, but that's um, I forgot what I was saying. Oh, we were talking uh, about yeah, rules. Yeah, but yeah, no. This the, that's what I think was also so moving, or what was kind of stayed with me when I first watched the film is that I could not understand these characters and what their motivations, and somehow in the last third of the film when he. He basically tries to to get her, win her back by breaking up with her. So, starting from that point of the film, I com strangely completely understood both of them, but in a way that was almost sort of magical or transcendent. Like it kind of transcended the, the the sort of description of what was happening. I just kind of understood why she was so passive and and why she was reacting to him um, to his decision like this and why he. And why he wanted to break up, but still, uh, like physically yeah. accompany her everywhere after until he was like, okay, actually, let's stay together. <laughs> like I, I completely, these are yeah. There's something very, in a way, very simple about about 
like very childish about the way they behave that I completely connected with at that point. Yeah. yeah. It it also explains to me, I think, the the childishness of it is, is you've hit it. It's the it's not while it is clearly a sexual relationship, it isn't a sexual relationship. It doesn't feel mm. like it. There's no there are no waves of attraction and and, and there's no sense of there's no sense that they even like each other, mm-hmm. really. But if it's an elaborate framework that they've constructed yeah. so they don't have to face the depths of their feelings or at least so he doesn't have to face the depths because I'm not sure she really worries about it that much mm-hmm. and maybe that's the bargain between them the only way to, to maintain balance uh, with someone who's so needy is just to not give right and and then somehow pretend that you hold all the cards <laughs> yeah yeah no I, I think yeah, it's sort of a perfect combination of of people, and at the same time, it's also doomed to explode yeah. at some point. And, yeah, but well, I it's think that's going to work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what makes it sort of like a this great combination of like art film slash melodrama or whatever it should be labeled. Like it just starts already. You, you kind of see it. You know, you know where it's going, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah they don't make films like this with happy endings, <laughs> and Ackerman especially. Um, she was never one for settling things and, and leaving right. everyone you know better than they were when they began yeah it's it's an interesting perspective too because a woman is making this film and, and she's absolutely merciless towards both the male and female leads but adapting Proust which, who was such a a fundamentally male writer not in terms of masculinity but in terms of his insecurities and his self-doubt Mm. women simply weren't allowed to write like that mm. when he wrote the books and uh, I'm probably just punching above my weight here I, I'm not <laughs> really going to do this justice but it's a it's a strange proposition to take on something like this and come off with some with a film that is as contemporary and as un uh Inartful is the wrong word, but unselfconscious mm. in its depiction of it's just simply a straight adaptation of the narrative. Mm. We're allowed to figure out the themes, we're allowed to lay in the rest of it. And then I, I look at something like Roll Ruiz's Time Regained, it's just he was trying so hard to replicate the artistic thrust of reading Proust. And Ackerman just makes it hers and doesn't care. She mm-hmm. she does more justice to it, I think, that way mm-hmm. by simply recounting it. Yeah, well, because I think what's amazing about Proust is that it's it is like his impulse, his obsession is to kind of exhaust or or, or go to the bottom of everything he describes, everything he tries to to uh, to explore, and whether it's an object or a relationship or a man or the way someone laughs at a joke, like he will just write as much as he can until he's sort of exhausted it. It's mm. almost like this weird obsession, uh, and that's but he's so good at it that it's very pleasant. Uh, I think that where she, I think you're right, the where that she's where she. Uh, does when she makes a good choice is uh, to understand that she's dealing with cinema and that that's not what cinema does mm-hmm. like cinema if anything it 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 takes pleasure in precisely the opposite in the opacity uh, the opaqueness of, of real life of 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 the way things sort of <laughs> the way um, you cannot quite penetrate um, you know people and you can't really read and understand people and it's such an interesting companion piece to the book because you're right, they do completely different things. Mm-hmm. She gives you sort of the negative 
of of the book it's uh yeah yeah and they reach the same end very effectively but mm -hmm. not in any similar way right you're just left alone with your thoughts here instead of being carried along by the prose yeah definitely the the it's interesting because the the, the ending well I, I don't know if i should spoil this or not i mean are we assuming that people have seen it yeah, I mean, you can be, you can be, well, it's up to you. You can be as vague as you like, or you can be as direct as you like. Uh, no, but I was going to say, uh, well, I, I don't know if I can talk about this now. If, <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, there's elements of the, of the end of the, uh, of the film that are, I mean, the end of the film is not like the end of the book, but it's like, it's close to the end of, what inspired the the real the true story that inspired the book the, what happened to Proust which I only found out very recently when we discussed uh, doing this I was like well I'll look a little bit more into it <laughs> and so I don't I'm not gonna spoil it but one difference with the book that I think is interesting is that um, she's she's really f the, the the I think the film really focuses on this idea that um, this fusion between uh, between a, a man and a woman in a couple is is uh, is, is impossible, and and what better way to look at this than to you know observe a man who is obsessively trying to completely know everything about this woman and this woman who whose sort of motto is bit precisely to have this distance. Um, the book I think. Uh, in the book, she has other the the character of Ariane uh, Albertine. In the book, has other um, uh, facets where um, he actually, at many points in the book, uh, get grows tired of her. Which in the film you don't really see. He's con mm -hmm. constantly obsessed with her. He he sees other women that he finds more attractive, and he wonders whether I should should I leave her, should I not leave her. And uh, when he breaks up with her in the book, he it's actually because he's tired of her, and she tells him a story about um, uh, or she, she mentions like knowing this person who is this other woman who he knows is um, uh, in a circle to be uh, to be a woman who loves women and instantly he becomes jealous and and he he's like okay forget it let's not break up let's stay together and I think his the the, the theme in, in Proust is not it is about this fusion this impossibility of fusion but I think it's also this idea that is is it is 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 there love is it possible to love um is is love just a form of jealousy basically is right. uh, is there anything else but jealousy and love uh is um well yeah here it's yeah here it's it's just more about um s sort of the sickness that jealousy is and and just yeah. following this this man just <laughs> yeah the film is about being consumed yeah, yeah exactly um, and and how it expresses itself once, once she is off with her with a with a woman, mm -hmm. he becomes obsessed with finding out how that works. Yeah, and it's 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 incredibly naive and again presexual, yeah. childish. He's not fully comprehending things. He badgers a, a gay couple that he meets, mm -hmm. two women, and asks how it works. Literally, you know, like, how does that go? Yeah, <laughs> uh, and it's it's fascinating because it reveals his limitations in a way that is clearly unconscious mm -hmm. I mean, Ackerman is aware of it but he has no idea what he's doing yeah. by asking these questions it's it's fascinating because it's so it's the most I think it's the most honest expression of himself we've seen and yeah. it's simply that he is completely at sea he yeah. doesn't know how to navigate the world he can't 
I mean, obviously now the answer is just, you know, look it up on the internet, mm. but, but in the, in the setting of the film, the only option he has is to go find two women sitting together and, and go through those questions. Like, do you kiss? Do you love each other? Or do you, are you in a relationship? How does that work? Yeah. And it's amazing. It's like watching a six year old try to navigate a shopping mall. Uh, yeah. He's just completely out to lunch. And, 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 <laughs> and, and, and it's his, uh, and it's his stubbornness that is so childish to me too because yeah. he just he, he will never stop and it's this unknown sexuality that, that, that to some extent I mean I, I can't say I really I, I, could, I could find the answer I mean the technical answer sure. of course but the true feeling is just completely unattainable for me as a man and I'm, I can deal with that and but maybe I can deal with that because I choose to live a little bit detached from from the things that truly matter and and a film that is so romantic and that follows someone who is so obsessed with this woman uh kind of reminds you that like no you don't understand this but like the, like why doesn't it bother you more that you don't understand this? yeah and yeah. because it bothers this guy a lot yeah. <laughs> the lack of self-awareness is is fascinating yeah like, that you can be so certain mm-hmm Uh, though he can be so certain of his love and his desire being pure and and true not mm. pure in a positive sense but just unfiltered and un undiluted mm. by the world that the only thing he wants is to be with this woman mm. who doesn't want to be with him at the moment anyway mm-hmm. and has embarked on a new relationship which he now has to clarify and quantify and codify in order to understand mm so that he can then ignore it and disrupt it and try to get in the way it, it's right. just, it's so I don't know really if, if she doesn't want to be with him well but if she's but, with someone else in the moment oh right right oh yeah yeah, no, absolutely. Her. yeah yeah when he yeah to him too no that's true yeah mm. and, and and what you said about the, the the questioning the interrogating of this woman that's something that I also only noticed when I rewatched it is how much it looks like uh, it feels so much like a, a detective film mm-hmm. in a way just yeah. the, the, for the beginning with the car chase and uh, sure. like just following her the, the music also kind of the sort of um, uh, has this this like Hitchcockian uh, quality where yeah he's just kind of like following her interrogating uh, these women um, and yeah there's so many elements of uh, I mean some of the shots look like a noir film with the long shadows and everything yeah. but he's like a detective of, of feelings like he's detect he's trying to figure out, find out this answer that is ultimately like what like what do you guys feel like what? yeah he's, <laughs> he's looking for his own he's looking for his own motivation he's looking for mm. hers and theirs and everyone's and yeah. he can't and when he's given the answers he can't understand them mm-hmm. so it's it's funny this time through I was thinking about cachet right uh, and Haneke and his choices in mm-hmm. Paris to shoot similar anonymous angles but angles that feel like surveillance and here right. we're watching someone surveil someone else yeah, yeah. and do a, I mean a reasonably bad job of it because <laughs> he loses her a few times yeah. and the whole thing is about him being unable to capture mm-hmm. her or the essence of her and even when she you know she clearly has surrendered herself to him in the first movement of the film they've already established that he still mm-hmm. doesn't know what to do with it yeah Yeah, it's. Yeah. I think he's he's a uh, he's an extremist, yeah. <laughs> and so in yeah in the beginning when she she does that, she, I think the first moment when things start to crack a little bit is when she tells him um, they they get into bed that that first night uh, and 
she says something like oh yeah and then i went to the pool today and he just kind of stops like he, they were about to embrace and he says oh wait i didn't know you went to the pool yeah. today and then that's so already the routine or like every kind of expectation is like oh no that's not what i thought was going to happen and um it, it, yeah no it's fascinating that like something so small like this because he's yeah it's so delicate it's so small and it, it starts to break the you know his whole plan like he's all about control like he, he did like something kind of went out of this control but strangely that's why i think the film is so interesting that strangely that's also why he stays with her he wouldn't stay with her if she didn't have this little um this little um there's a hint of of, of maybe a betrayal yeah <laughs> you know yeah. she'd be he'd be bored yeah, you know, no. If she was faith, if she if he knew she was faithful, yeah, it's the drive to make sure she's faithful that keeps him going. But yeah, it's the film functions almost entirely as a metaphor for every relationship effort in the world. <laughs> yeah. If you watch it as strictly for its plot, you'll you can't relate to it at all. I mean, that's yeah. what's so interesting about it to me is that it is, as you say, it's it's a sort of film that is almost off-putting at the beginning. Yeah, because why would I even want to spend? two hours with these people They're, they seem awful yeah but the more I spend with them the more I I'm drawn in it's weird yeah it's it's a very cerebral film and at the same time it's very reptilian it, yeah. it, it's both at the, it's very very good it operates at such a high level and then at such like very base like id level yeah. uh, and it's it's sort of catches you off guard or like that's how I felt it the first time like I said before really catches you off guard but I think the I think that's what I love also about the the acting in the film and the type of uh, the type of performances that the, the especially the two main characters um, because there is uh, it's all about precision and it's all about delivering lines in a way that is very um, is the opposite of post in a way it's very there's not that much they don't say that much but um, it's very rehearsed and uh, very staged and feels it does not feel natural at all I'm not sure how, how, how well that reads in, in a foreign language but I'm pre- pretty sure it probably reads also a little bit uh, stilted um, but then the actors find uh, well these two actors at least find a way to uh, they find this kind of crack within uh, the 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 rules and the rigid the rigidity of of what they have to do and they infuse a lot of of life mm-hmm. but it's yeah it's like this this precision um uh allows for a certain free- freedom like the freedom comes from the the rules basically yeah um and what I found interesting again watching it again is this that when you see a secondary character this the the actress who plays andre she doesn't do a terrible job but she i i think you can that's where I could see how difficult I think uh, it is to perform this way, and 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 how um, how good these two actors are, because I could see in some scenes that she she doesn't quite pull off this sort of combination. She she manages the sort of theatricality, but she doesn't. I I felt personally that she, I couldn't sense uh, this the amount of of life where I could on on one end be like I'm watching a performance. And on the other, being like I'm watching a real person, like which yeah. is really amazing when you watch these two, uh, these two actors. Yeah. yeah, I had the sense too that a lot of it is ritualized, mm-hmm. that a lot of their exchanges have been negotiated long before we got here. Yeah, and they're just they're not going through the motions exactly, but they are fulfilling a, a purpose mm-hmm. with every conversation. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, uh, shall I come to your bed? No, you know, that sort of thing. They know where they're going, and they know that this is all agreed upon. Mm. And and it's almost like we're just arriving 
six repetitions in. Yeah. The loop has been going on long before we got there. Yeah. And it's it's so strange that the film can create a situation where that is not only the logical assumption, mm-hmm. but the only value, the only valid one, because otherwise, why are they doing anything? Like, they, there must be a reason. We need to have a reason as an audience to yeah. be watching them. And so we impose that, or I impose that particular explanation because it's the only thing that makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's so right. Like, it is... It is satisfying to me too because in my own in my own uh, films, I, I I'm always interested in protocols and people following kind of rules and and the way systems work, and that's definitely something that that really drew me in the film. But I, I never quite really noticed it until you know I rewatched it uh, a couple of days ago. But there's something about this the system they have together that is it's also it's it's a game that they sort of both agree to play Um, and something I noticed is that when he the moment he breaks up with her and he sits down on her sort of daybed and says okay I think we need to you know be uh, be separate um, he instantly turns changes from vous which he he uses throughout the film the the sort of um, uh, yeah more formal uh, which is again this kind of eroticized distance that I think he probably kind of revels in and then he, he starts saying two and it's like okay I think it's over and it's just and instantly she turns to two two also and it's like okay so what's going on here it's almost like they start they, they're not like they don't switch to complete naturalism it's still this sort of stylized acting but mm. it's definitely more fluid well they've broken character they've broken right? character they're, completely yeah. and and uh, and yeah, later on when she's in the car, she actually kind of she's actually driving at one point, which he's always the one who drives, and then she drives, and um, and she also expresses like, okay, please just let, let leave me be, or so she says something like that. Uh, that is again feels like, oh, this this is commentary outside of the game, like yeah. okay, just like it's a violation of the contract. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, for the first time, they seem to be saying what they mean and meaning what they say. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely, and they—they, they, in fact, they really articulate the, the, I mean, the themes of the film. He, he says, "I want to know everything about you. I want to know what you think." And she's like, "But if, if, if that's precisely what doesn't, if if I knew every, if I knew everything about you, I wouldn't love you anymore. I yeah. need this this sort of distance." But the truth is, I think he actually does not want that because if he had that, he would leave her. He, mm-hmm. he wants the the mystery too, but it's sort of uh, he's. He's not completely um, aware of what he wants. He's he's kind of wandering around uh, aimlessly sometimes. Like it, and even the the choice of actor. I was I was trying to I was talking about that earlier. The the this guy Stanislas Mirard. This to me is such a perfect choice for this type of character because he seems uh, it's impossible to know what's on his mind. Yeah, he's he's unreadable. He's not a limited actor, mm-hmm. but he just holds himself in such a way that he can't be read. He's, he's yeah. I've been repeating myself, but he is just not. Uh, there are no indications. There's no sense of what his real desires are. He's mm-hmm. so still and so he could be furious and holding himself together, mm-hmm. or he could simply be empty of effect and just not moving. Yeah. It, it's impossible to tell. Yeah, he's like a ghost or a vampire. So he's just yeah. kind of roams around. Even when he's in the water at the very end, you can't tell if he's swimming angrily or just because the current is strong. Yeah. Like, there's no way to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's true. That's, but I think that's why the, the film for me is so beautiful and that, again, it, it, uh, it, it creates this sort of abstraction where, like, 
her character and her actions and, and her dialogue uh, is impenetrable. We don't actually know what does she want, why is she in this relationship. But the actor herself, uh, she's very... Uh, she's more contemporary than anyone else in the way she talks. She, like, we kind of understand her as there's something more natural about her. She's very concrete. Mm-hmm. He's completely ethereal, and but his actions are supposed to be completely clear. So they're both abstract in, in different ways. One is just the actor himself is completely uh, unreadable, and her, it's just her character, and and so together, it's just, it's yeah, it's they just kind of stay with you, but it's always like why like you, you keep asking like what do, like do they love each other like what do they want you know? yeah. yeah well and you've worked with in in fail to appear you've worked with an actor uh Derek Campbell who mm-hmm. I find equally mystifying because and I'm sure that I've accidentally insulted her by describing this at least once I know I have she was in the room uh, <laughs> uh in in O Brazen Age she does this thing she has the amazing ability to level out her voice almost completely mm. and yet still be completely open as to what it means what what her emotions and intentions are mm-hmm. I, I find that absolutely fascinating um, I saw her do a a live read of uh, of Reservoir Dogs a few mm-hmm. years ago oh I saw that you were there <laughs> I was there yeah well she played Mr. Orange the Tim Roth mm-hmm. character and until Orange was revealed, she was absolutely soft-spoken, monotone, calm. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as the secret was out, she just popped, you know, three gears forward into life all of a sudden. Yeah. And actors who can do that are remarkable because, at least to me, I find them absolutely hypnotic because I just want to see them. I want to mm-hmm. see more of what they're doing and, and try to understand what the trick is, but there probably isn't one. It's just how she does it. Yeah. Um, but her measuredness and it did when when you selected La Captive I thought oh yeah that makes sense there's, yeah. there's, there's a continuity there there's a continuum oh for sure yeah and I think yeah Dara is uh, extremely skilled at, at that because she, she combines and what I, I think it relates to what I was talking about earlier this this combination of, of naturalism and, and of control where mm-hmm. she, she combines these two things and and uh I think that it's interesting because she won't, um, unless she, she unless she feels it, she won't really, um, she won't do a take, or she she'll do it obviously, but she'll want to do it again. Um, but in a way that I haven't quite seen with other actors, there's there's uh, there's something that's uh, very um, sort of uh, there's a desire to project with actors in general and to really show an emotion and to just really kind of give you what they think you want and to make it completely transparent um, that she doesn't have she doesn't feel that desire and and I think what she feels is um, well I don't really know what she feels but she definitely uh, uh, kind of uh, makes things uh, more interesting for me at least and more complex by um, yeah, containing things a, a, a little bit, um, but without without removing the emotion. It's 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 yeah. It's it's hard to describe. I mean, <laughs> yeah. But when you see it, it's electric. Yeah, yeah, it, no, it absolutely. really is thrilling, and it happens in in La Captive on both sides. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. Sylvie Testud is is so much more uh, immediate, and um, her yeah, her acting style is sort of unadorned. Yeah, in that it's not. He is doing something 
so small and precise that it's mm-hmm. almost undetectable. Yeah. And it makes it, it it makes us look closer. Yeah. Whereas she is playing, to my mind, she's playing someone who is fully on board with whatever we're seeing, mm-hmm. even if we don't fully understand it, but also would really just like to be able to have a relationship without all the trappings. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a sense that of the two of them, she is the one who would be more more eager to get closer right. uh, on an emotional and just physical and every other level. Mm-hmm. She she's constantly trying to nudge him towards a healthier version of what they're doing, mm-hmm. and he just won't register it. Yeah, oh, he's too he's complica- he's too complicated. Yeah, or yeah. He feels anyway. yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And she, but what her strength is also that she makes this thing look normal mm. in a way because that's what also when you watch this film I mean after yeah after 10 minutes for me at least I uh, as 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 absurd and as coded as, as this relationship is I kind of get it but I think I mainly get it because of her because she the way she reacts makes it look completely normal right. like yeah of course yeah I'll come to you but if you won't no, like there's something about her he's he's just yeah, he's he's sort of um, in a state of perpetual hypnosis or something. <laughs> he's he's, uh, he's a little bit more other in a way than she is. Yeah, mm-hmm. which again I suppose could make him more attractive. Yeah, no, if he's a mystery that she's trying to unlock. Yeah, just no, as much as we are. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's 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 inter- it's strange because so towards the end when when they sort of get outside of this game, um, and and then he tries to go back in. I think maybe he tries to do it too soon or too fast or something and and that's when I think you really completely connect with her because she's just kind of suffocating there in this hotel room and he's like we'll go on a trip in Venice and and maybe and he he even suggests to to bring her friend who is possibly her her lover and this this weird this weird question also of like does he know that they're possibly lovers I mean he clearly heard her say her name while she was uh, climaxing with it like that like and but he 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 suggests okay we'll bring her kind of knowing that this is kind of maybe what she would rather yeah have he's just trying to be cool yeah he's just trying to show it's all right and i think that that kind of throws her off and she's just like and i need to take a swim <laughs> yeah yeah i mean and that is the moment right that's like okay you don't know what you're doing you this isn't healthy mm-hmm. that when she decides that she's out yeah and um and then she disappears. Yeah. And she's simply gone because yeah. we're still locked into his perspective. Oh, totally. So something I, I, I had not seen or I'd not paid attention to until I rewatched it recently is that when he swims to find her, he does find her. I don't know if you remember. And she pushes him away. And then it cuts. That's right. Oh my God, that's right. And but I completely forgot it because you almost feel like the film would be perfect if she swam and and then didn't find her. I guess now I've revealed anything. But uh, but it's almost more interesting because she, yeah, he, he he swims to her and she says no. But it it's not clear that she wants to to die. It's just clear that she doesn't want him to to take her again. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I blocked that out completely just because it's a better ending if she's gone. <laughs> oh, you think so? Yeah. yeah I well, mean, it's yeah. starker, right? I mean, it's oh, more yeah, representational sure. of his... Or it's it's a better representation of his state of mind mm-hmm. if she's completely gone. Yeah. I mean, it also, it, we, we, we kind of get that she's pushing him away without seeing her pushing him away mm-hmm. in the water, maybe. No, that's true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's still kind of hopeful, though, if she gets away and 
gets her own life somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Just, just one beach down. She's having a perfectly normal world. <laughs> well, he's trapped with himself. I, yeah, I, f- I feel like she'll have to find another one like him and he'll try to find another one like her. That's the problem. <laughs> I think it will ne- be never-ending. Um, yeah, and that's an appropriate ending for Ackerman, too. Right. You know, people don't change, people don't grow. They're yeah. stuck with themselves. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's always fun. <laughs> uh, but uh, that does bring us to the, the final question of the podcast, mm. which is, is there is there anything specific in um, in La Captive that you've used or borrowed or incorporated into your own work? Uh, I think in in general about um, Ackerman films, I think something I mentioned earlier, this um, uh, using cinema as, as a way to to not trying to go necessarily underneath people's intentions or, or psychologies, but to um, s- sort of observe and to um, try to be faced with the visible world and, and all of its mystery and, and all of you know the things that we don't understand um, I think that's what I, I, I take from, from her films or at least that I can see in, in, in what I do I can sort of see where I, I where that influence comes from definitely this yeah the, this way of, of, of framing and of, of looking at, at things and looking at the world and allowing um uh, actors or performers to to, to keep uh, uh, you know this mystery and an element of unknown. Mm. Yeah. I find your work a little more hopeful than hers. Right. Uh, I was going to say. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Well, she tends towards the despair. Yeah. Um, and and perhaps understandably mm-hmm. um, given her life, but but it's the work of someone who is constantly disappointed by people. Mm-hmm. And she. I always feel like she's hoping for the best for her characters, but. It never gets there, mm-hmm. and people solve their problems in her films uh, with radical solutions. And mm-hmm. we're, we're always watching the ends of relationships or the ends of uh, stasis and people breaking free, right. sometimes with violence, sometimes simply by leaving. But it's about like Captive is very much about someone reaching the end of his tether, mm-hmm. and then a woman completely detaching herself because of his disintegration. Mm-hmm. And she's. Ju- I think they're both justified. She more than him, but but it's still kind of not a hopeful ending because we're stuck with the character who can never change. Right. Your your work is a little bit more hopeful, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think I I say thank you. Not, but I mean, I, I it's it's I I love her work and I love the fact that it is the, the way you've described it. It's just that I feel that way about my films, and I've often noticed that that the reaction is not always what okay. <laughs> your reaction that people find can find it a bit more bleak um, but I mean in, in, in my new film Fell to Appear or, or even in the other films that I don't uh, I, I certainly don't see things ending uh, uh, f- for any characters or, or things kind of doomed in any way um, I feel like even when I portray someone who is alone or goes about his routine it, it could perhaps read a bit sad or bleak but I personally enjoy being alone and I enjoy being doing my things and doing my routine and and so showing someone that does that to me at least is, is not showing something that is sad or mm-hmm. uh, there's there's um, yeah I think there's there's a common thread I, I, I think in what I've done is that the, the people are always kind of trying to resist 
uh, either some kind of specific circumstances or, or, or sometimes things that are a bit more abstract and internal, trying to resist, uh, um, Dara's character is trying to resist, uh, I think, something. I'm not quite sure why, but she's, you can see her in the way she works as a caseworker in the film. Like she, She's trying to overcome something that's very personal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very noble and, and, and positive, and I kind of admire that about people. So I tend to think that, yeah, my work is, is definitely more optimistic. Yeah, well, and she's trying to do that so she can do her job and help someone. Right. It is, it's an altruistic impulse that started the whole thing. Right. The, the reason she's there is to be of service to someone. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. And, and, and I think where I... The admiration that I have for a character like this is that in the film she's this this person who studied literature and who, through um, having empathy for the characters in the book she read, decides that she this empathy should be used in real life. And the film is about how well real life is complicated and that that might not it might not be just that simple. But she, it's she does it and she's still doing it. I think um, a character like Simon in, in the film, like when. He, he can only he he, do, he he doesn't actually want to enter real life in a way he it's only through his head it, intellectually that's the only way he can get this pleasure and he's not seeking anything else yeah, yeah. i think even from the very first scene he's he's playing this super eight film and and he's this is his moment of, of just that's the only moment he smiles i think in the film because he has the control over the footage he can stop it and he can play it again and and it's not a real person it's an image or when she's asleep is also the only other yeah. time when he's he can interact with her so this this thing where just not being able to deal with the real uh and that i feel like yeah, my films talk about something a bit different that involves the real, and, and so it's a bit more complicated, but also a bit less sad, I think. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's a net positive for everyone, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, hopefully for her. I mean, it's it's a struggle for everyone to be in that in that space. I mean, I tend to be a little bit in my in my world, so I think that's also why I make these kind of films. Mm-hmm. My thanks to Antoine Bourges whose first feature failed to appear is streaming on Mubi right now, but only until tomorrow, Wednesday, June 6th, and opening in Toronto Thursday, June 7th for a week's run at the TIFF Bell Lightbox. See it if you can. It's a very precise, very simple film that builds a surprising power in its accumulation of details, and Dara Campbell and Nathan Roeder are very, very good in it. Antoine is not on Twitter, but you can keep an eye on Fail to Appear by following the MDFF account. MDFF, all one word. And as for La Captive, that might be even harder to keep track of. The North American DVD is currently out of print, although you can find it used on Amazon.com. And while the film is part of Fandor's streaming library, it's not currently available. Hopefully that means Criterion is working on a special edition. That'd be a good idea. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner, and elsewhere on the internet at NowToronto.com. You can also find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at SomeoneElsesMovie.com. If you feel like leaving a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, that would be greatly appreciated. Every little bit helps, it truly does. Thanks for your support, and thanks for listening. All of those, I'm afraid you're just too darn loud.